This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. This is Detailing Addiction on America's Web Radio. Happy New Year to all of our listeners, and I would like to welcome our in-studio guest today, Miss Alice Wellens. Alice is a licensed clinical social worker. I have known her for many years. Uh, too many, we're not going to mention. Um, I have admired her work from afar and also have had the privilege of working with her in terms of sharing some clinical cases and um, consultation. She is... Um, Licensed in the state of Georgia, she's a certified imago therapist as well as a certified credential distance counselor. I'm not sure what that is, so I'm going to ask you about that in a minute. She's had a lot of additional certification and training in things like addiction and recovery, mindfulness, um, uh, dialectical behavioral therapy or DBT. Many of you may be aware of that. It's a very powerful intervention that is quite helpful for many of our patients, both with and without addiction. She is the past president of the Georgia Society for Clinical Social Workers and the pla- um, and the past um, secretary for that organization as well. She's a national speaker, has done lots of volunteer work. She's um, a very um, prolific speaker, writer, and and um, a, a very excellent clinician. So I'm so happy to have you here today, Alice. Thanks for having me back. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about Alice's practice, and we will mention this again in the next segment so that you can have your pen and paper ready, but um, to let you know that uh, you can reach her at her website, which is alicewellens.com. A-L-Y-C-E-W-E-L-L-O-N-S dot com or her phone number is area code 404-664-3110. Interesting topic that you proposed um, this week and I'm, I'm very fascinated by it um, as well as challenged by it because um, the title itself Inhale the future, exhale the past is so appropriate for this time of year and the the set of circumstances that most of us find ourselves in in terms of reviewing what has happened in the past and then looking at what we hope for or in some cases what we're afraid of about the future. Mm-hmm. So interesting topic. Tell me about your your thoughts around it. Well, I wish I could take credit for the title, but it was actually a uh, quote that showed up on my Facebook feed, and it did stick with me. It's reminiscent of that mindfulness meditation piece, um, breath work, yoga, all of those things which we've talked about on past shows, which are all integrate together um, in people working on any type of mental health issue, but but addiction in particular. Um, you know, that central nervous system balancing, engaging your parasympathetic nervous system and all the tools we work on with clients. So I thought it would be a good title for our show in that larger scope. But in the granular scope, it's also a lot of what we're hearing hour to hour with clients right now. They're coming home from being with their families probably. And as we talked about in December in the self-care piece, you know, when you go home and you spend time with your family, a lot of old issues come up. 
and that's a lot of what people talk about when they're coming back into therapy and recovery um, in the new year. So it's, it's a lot of working on what came up, how you dealt with it, what you can do to deal with it, and then also looking at moving forward. Um, as David and Michael were just talking about, it's also a time when a lot of people are talking about New Year's resolutions. Right. And so kind of looking forward to that, um, what's realistic, what's coming, what you want for yourself, your recovery goals, um, stuff like that. So that's kind of what was going through my head when I thought about it. In my conversations with patients over the past few weeks, I'm hearing the same things that you're talking about. A lot of folks... In fact, dreading the holidays, dreading going home, not because they don't love their families and not because they aren't happy about having some time off, but because um, being newly in recovery for many of them, they're concerned about the awkward conversations that they were going to be faced with. Since many times people in early recovery are now in that position because they've lost their job, they've had to go to jail, they have legal charges, their spouse has left them. Bad things generally motivate people, unfortunately, to come into treatment. So uh, the idea for them of just having to go home and in normal conversation with people that you don't see very Mm -hmm. often, folks are going to ask you, well, how's your relationship and how's school going and what are you doing at work? which many of the patients saw as accusations or blaming statements rather than just normal conversation. So everything from something as simple as those questions to facing exposure to drugs and alcohol, being back sometimes in, in their home area where that's where they started using or continued to use. So there's the temptations and there's the challenges associated with that. But there's this heavy, heavy, heavy feeling that many of them experienced that time of year. And unfortunately, as We're into the new year. The phone calls are coming in of the folks that have relapsed, the folks that have had challenging situations, that have had a slip, um, and the guilt and shame they feel around that. It's a very stressful time of year that I'm sure lots of us feel it in many ways, but I think it's particularly profound for our patients. Yeah. And to add to all of that, they've gone home, which means they've left their support system. Right. So if you're, especially if you're new in recovery, you know, you rely on that support system Mm -hmm. hour to hour sometimes. Um, Now, we can do texting and phone calls and stuff like that, which is very helpful, but nothing beats um, sitting in a meeting or having coffee with a friend or a sponsor or somebody in your support system. So... Yeah, the holidays are tough times, and clients are coming back, and they're having to kind of deal with all of that and get back into their routines, um, which is a big piece of the holidays, vacations, anything is getting making sure you get back into your routine. So, so in my mind, that's a lot of what January is about with clients and then helping them start to look at moving forward. So that um, mentioning the routine, I think that is probably the single biggest trip up for everybody, Mm -hmm. not just folks in recovery or folks with um, mental health issues. Um, More people get sick around Christmas time 
than almost any other time of the year. More hospitals are full. Sometimes trying to find a bed for a patient that needs to be hospitalized can be a real challenge because everybody's got the flu, everybody's got pneumonia, bronchitis, there are injuries, there are illnesses, there are things that happen to people that aren't their usual thing. And some of it relates back to stress, Mm -hmm. which relates back to even if it's happy stuff, You're doing things differently. You're sleeping differently. You're eating different foods. You're doing different things. You're traveling. You're going places. And that's the thing that, as we've talked about before, raises your cortisol, Mm -hmm. increases your sympathetic nervous system, Mm -hmm. and the parasympathetic nervous system is offline, and your immune system can't fight off all the bugs. Right. Absolutely. You know, you you do see that a lot. And the stress starts probably around Halloween. So ending at Christmas and New Year's, you've had a good, you know, a good eight weeks or so of this building up, starting to get out of your routine. And that's interesting in itself because a lot of times things start out slow. And you, right. and you don't you minimize it or you rationalize it or you justify it and then it starts to build. And as you mentioned, stress, you know, it's a buzzword we use a lot. Right. But it's also the number one beginning issue of a relapse. So as we've all said and we know relapse ends with the use. And our goal is to look back and look at where it began and just keep going all the way back. And it usually begins, if you look at Terrence Gorski's Staying Sober, that old book, right? he has a, a little list, um, a flow chart of how relapse begins. And the very first thing is a stressful situation. And, you know, we need to really keep cultivating awareness of stressful situations and tools we can use to manage them when they happen because they're going to happen. <laughs> right. We can't That's avoid life. We yeah. can't avoid them. Um, but being aware of that and taking some extra steps to be careful can protect folks yeah. um, right. and help provide them with that additional support not only for their mental health and their recovery health, but also for their physical health. Right. So many people are sick this time of year. Yeah. So many people are sick this year. And it's not because there's more germs around this time of year. Right. Our immune systems are suppressed because of stress and changes in routines, sleeping, eating, you know, all of those things. And people who have recovery issues or are in recovery, particularly early recovery, are even more susceptible to to these types of stresses. And so... You know, talking with them about being aware of that, having tools you can use, you know, what are five things you can do for each scenario so you have a lot of choices and a lot of options. And that's just that's just part of what, you know, the hours of meetings, hours of sitting with sponsors, hours of sitting with people in recovery, hours of being in therapy are really all about. And that's a lot of what DBT is about, too, are all these modules teaching you how to um, have different reactions and different behaviors for for all kinds of events and to know when to use them (laughs) and to be aware that you're headed towards one of those things right and it it seems so strange to think that people need to prepare for that but they really do and Mm -hmm. it's not something that comes natural to us where we're much more um used to going with the flow right and whatever needs to be done, just do it, right. as opposed to really thinking about self-care. So when we think about moving to 
the new year. Yes. And we think about the exhaling of the past and letting go of all of those things. And then we think about inhaling. I would hope that what we are inhaling are some healthy recovery tools and some new ways of of really dedicating ourselves to better self-care and decreasing our stress. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a lot of what you also you also have this um, dynamic this active alive dynamic of that was then this is now we have to learn from the past and what happened we can't stay in it right um, but you can't just say oh, that that happened there's nothing for me to learn from so you know it's learning from it and also moving forward and moving forward is about what worked what didn't work adding new tool tools in knowing what some of your stress issues are going are and what some of them might be and having lots of different possibilities for each one you know and I think we've talked about this before when people ask me what do you think therapy is it's such a big question we could do a whole show on that but my my boiled down answer is is it's what's making unconscious conscious and what's making intolerable tolerable and I feel like that's a lot of what these conversations are about, making what's unconscious to you that might be stressful or difficult mm-hmm. conscious so you can start to create awareness around it. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about inhaling and exhaling. Stay tuned. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings at 9 o'clock for Medicine on Call. On Medicine on Call, we talk about more than medicine. It's about how to take control of your mind, body, and spirit. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. 
More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. This is Detailing Addiction on America's Web Radio. Again, my in-studio guest today is Alice Wellens. She's a licensed clinical social worker. Her practice is here in Atlanta. And if you would like uh, to learn more about her practice, the types of patients that she treats, and the services she provides, you can check her out on the web at www.alice, and that's Alice with a Y, wellens.com, or her phone number is 404-664-3110. That's 404-664-3110. Inhale and exhale. Inhale the future, exhale the past. Okay. <laughs> so let's all take a deep breath and try and do that. So in looking towards the future, one of the things that I think... Um, it's really important for folks is sometimes to look at the bigger picture. What are the things that we can anticipate? What are the the trends, the hot topics? What are the things that might be of interest to people to consider, um, to even want to understand more about? or might even have not a so positive reaction to. So when you're thinking about that, what kinds of things come to your mind? I love this conversation. It's (laughs) I I get so excited by seeing the field evolve um, because that typically reflects um, opening up and growth and um, a lot of expansion around that. So it's really exciting. Now, you know, if you ask everybody in this room, they're going to everybody's going to have their own idea of what's coming and what kind of the big thing is, but in in my section of the world, the the big piece in the field right now is gender and sexual variance. Um, the binary system of male, female, gay, straight, all of that is over. That's been exhaled into the past. Um, We are on a variance now. It's a very big topic, Um, but, but that has created this expanse and this real acceptance for people. And when we look, when we put the recovery lens on that, you really see people um, coming out more, literally. um, Right. And emotionally, because one of the things that we know the biggest roadblock to recovery in everything from going into a meeting and coming out to your family and being in recovery to research dollars is shame and the stigma around addiction. Yes. So when you, when you look at that and you add on gender and sexual issues, that just is an exponential factor. So seeing that be the real trend in the field um, is very exciting because people in, in rec- it will come into the meetings, into the rooms, into therapist's office, into trainings, into the way we think about people. So the acceptance around that is going to allow people who need to be in recovery, want to be in recovery, to have an avenue into recovery and into the mental health field. Um, it's really exciting. You know, you... I have a lot of uh, colleagues who this is very much their area of interest. And, they, you know, you're 
your gender in particular, let's just say, a lot of people don't want to have a gender, you know, they or they might want to have it flow day to day. Um, so there's a lot more. We like things to be compartmentalized right. and packaged up, <laughs> labeled. And I'm this, so now everybody knows how to act and be. And you know, this is really changing in, in gender and sexual variance, preference, sexual preference, um, being sexual at all. Um, all of this, or not, right? Or choosing not, or choosing not to be. So all of this is really changing, and that old. Like I said, the old binary system is old, and that's out, and there's this whole new place we're moving into. And we don't have all the answers yet. We don't know, but we just know that we've opened it up, and we're moving into it. And I think that your point about shame uh, being the common, the common word in recovery and whether it's shame about I just got arrested, whether it's shame about I have this disease, whether mm-hmm. it's shame about the things that I might have done in the past, um, shame that I'm bipolar, shame that I'm, uh, you know, I'm a child of divorced parents, shame, uh, all of these shameful things, mu- much of which we have absolutely no control over. Right. I think that for patients that are struggling with living in a society that doesn't know how to help them understand themselves and doesn't know how to help them embrace the feelings and the thoughts and the ideas that they have about themselves and about important relationships. I mean, that's just the ultimate taboo. That has been Mm -hmm. probably, in my experience, one of the most difficult things for people to really... um, come to terms with and to be able to link that much of their drug use while they have the disease of addiction, much of it though is perpetuated around I can't tolerate these feelings, I don't understand me, I don't understand how the world is, so I just need to be numb or I need to be absent and I can't be me who I am and no one's going to accept me how I am. Right. And that is so paralyzing. And it's deadly. It is deadly in terms of people not getting the proper amount of treatment, not getting good care, not being protected when they feel suicidal, when they're overdosing, when these really bad things are happening. That shame about what they really probably need to be talking about from the minute they walk in the door. Yeah that they can't get to. And so the idea that we're going to be training a new generation of therapists and addiction treatment specialists and mental health specialists in the idea that we need this is a conversation to be had not out of let me check your gender box right. but out of let me understand how you understand yourself. Exactly. And that it's fluid. You know, it 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 can change, and it and it does. Um, I think the interesting piece when you look at the recovery research is, you know, most people's addictions blossom in adolescence, as right. you were just indicating. Um, and that's also a time where your sexuality is blossoming and everything else is sort of happening. It's a very tumultuous time. Mm-hmm. And so if you have these people who have addiction blossoming and they have their sexuality and gender 
thoughts, questionings coming up all at the same time. And there's not something or somebody there or at least a culture where, hey, it's it's whatever is acceptable. You are uniquely you, and that's what's the most important piece. Then, you know, you really, it creates such a, a, a decrease of shame increases acceptance and empathy and increases resources and availabilities for people, for all people, um, but specifically the gender and sexual variance issues. So it's a really exciting thing. That's, I think, one of the big, big things. I have a colleague and I, and we do one year of self-study. Every year we do one topic and we take a year and we do a self-study on it. And this year we're really going to dig down into gender and sexual variance. So I'll know more. Stay tuned. I'll come back January 2017 <laughs> and tell you what I learned. That That is a date. That is a date. Because, again, I think that this um, is not the, the issue for everyone, but it's an issue for far too many people mm-hmm. that are really suffering. It's a vulnerable group. It's a very vulnerable, and it's a high-risk group, and it is... Um, it is it, it's time. Mm-hmm. It's time to begin to... Uh, allow folks to be who and what they need to be and without judgment, without anything other than support and understanding. Right, right. And the big, the big, the big, um, group that has carried the flag for this and the scars for this has been the transgender group. And, um, you really see that changing. This was a huge year for that. Um, I have a, a good friend of mine who works with the CDC and for the past year or two years, you know, when I've when I've asked him, what's the trend with the CDC? What are y'all looking at? What are you talking about? And he's been saying, you know, it's transgender. That's where you're really looking at. Um, that's where the research is. That's where the, the change is happening there. And it's come at a price for that community. Um, but that's, they've really carried the flag, I think, for opening up a lot of this around awareness and acceptance and, you know, what is sexuality? What is gender? Uh, you know, I, and we're seeing it come into uh, popular press. I mean, I think the um, uh, the series House of Lies, uh, where there is the young uh, boy who is um, in high school and struggling with how yeah. do I dress, how do I feel, who do I like, um, the father who is somewhat confused, the grandfather who's a therapist, which helps. Um, <laughs> Always good to have the, one of those in you the know, The way in which um, the school um, has responded to him, the way in which classmates have responded, some of the very painful prejudice, mm-hmm. and then some of his own acting out in a very self-destructive way, I think paints the picture very nicely. And there are other shows that are mm-hmm. doing this, but I'm glad that it is also becoming part of that conversation, yeah. that popular media is is weaving some of these stories into our regular household right. shows that we see. Well, and kids, you know, and you, you really you really hear this a lot in therapy is kids who are, are dealing with some specific issue, and for a long time it was being gay. Um, they would say, I didn't see one gay person on TV, on in a book, you know, in any type of popular culture, and they would look for that and look for that as just somebody some way to decrease shame, mm-hmm. you know, increase acceptance, have a role model, just have have some direction to go in to help them cultivate their own awareness. So, yeah, when you see shows like that, there's a show on Amazon called Transparent. It's excellent. 
um, you know, you really, you really kind of have places that, that people can look to um, for normalizing. Right. And for... Um, which for is decreasing shame. Exactly. Which is the goal and all the way around. And, and so, again, such a basic part of addiction treatment mm-hmm. is the shame and dealing with the shame of the folks coming home from the holidays Absolutely. and the awkward questions and the slips and the right. relapses. Those kinds of things are critically important for us to continue to dialogue and open up about. Right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about inhaling and exhaling. Thanks so much for listening. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Peter Wallace, inviting you to listen every Sunday morning to Day One with inspiring preachers from America's mainline churches on AmericasWebRadio.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today in studio, I have Alice Wellens, who is a wonderful therapist and excellent um, support system and colleague, and I've gotten many good supervision sessions from Alice, so I appreciate you from a professional level and a personal level. And I would encourage any of you who are interested in exploring some issues around recovery, um, depression, anxiety. Uh, Alice is also extremely talented in terms of working with couples. And this, I think, is a very, very um, important part of 
any kind of relationship, but particularly relationships when one or both partners have issue with recovery or mental health issues. We should do a show on that. We should. Couples and addiction. And the Imago piece of that, Mm -hmm. I think, is so, Mm -hmm. is is really important. So we were talking um, before the break about some of the trends, some of the things that we are expecting to hear more about and expecting to hopefully learn more about and get better at dealing with in the future. One of the things that I wanted to highlight, and please let it be very clear, I have no uh, relationship at all with this pharmaceutical company. I get nothing from them. I own no stock. Am I grateful to them? Yes, because they're saving people's lives. But this is not about any kind of relationship with anybody. It's about talking about a medication that can save people's lives. We're about to learn something, people. (laughs) Get ready. Get ready. Go, Dr. Blank. So, last summer, the Georgia legislature did finally pass what we call the Good Samaritan Law. And this law brought um, forward some wonderful opportunities and um, really clarified and began the conversation about helping people who have overdosed, particularly with heroin. So the Good Samaritan Law is important in that it states very clearly, first of all, that doctors who prescribe medications for um, rescue, um, there's a specific medication called naloxone. It's a short-acting reversal agent for opiates, so it reverses an opiate overdose. Doctors who prescribe that are not liable for any kind of malpractice or civil liability around it. People who have access to it, including family members, friends, therapists, firemen, policemen, anyone who administers it is also free of liability if they're acting as a good Samaritan. I think more importantly for most of our patients is the fact that If you are with someone who overdoses, and chances are the person with you may also be using drugs, if you are willing to call 911, if you're willing to administer this reversal medication, naloxone, to the person and stay with them till help arrives, neither of you will be arrested charged with possession, charged with drug use. You are protected under this Good Samaritan law with the idea that you are trying to save someone's life. I am personally aware of several instances for the good and the bad in which someone overdosed and everybody scattered and nobody called 911. Instances where they threw the person in the back of the car, rolled up to the um, to the hospital, rolled them out into the driveway and took off. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also familiar with um, a a person who is actually a drug dealer Mm -hmm. who performs CPR on a patient or on one of their customers uh, who had overdosed on heroin in their presence, performed CPR, that person was then arrested (laughs) and taken to jail. Now, whether that's right or wrong, and I'm not defending drug dealers, I'm not defending any of that, but I am saying that people die from this and that it has become uh, a, a seriously important public health crisis. So um, there is a a company called Evzio, E-V-S-I-O. This company has provided an auto-injector. 
So this is a very interesting little um, device that is about the size of a pack of cards that you can keep in your pocket, your purse, um, your medicine cabinet at home. And it you pull the lid off and it directs you what to do. It talks you through it. So like we used to have that... Um, AEDs to help you if someone was having a heart attack. This talks you through how to give this person an injection. And you can do it through their pants leg. You can do it through their sleeve. You can use this on animals. I'm also very aware of a patient who was taking OxyContin, dropped one on the floor. They had a little dog that came running up, ate the medication off the floor, as little puppies will do very fast, and the dog died. So you can use it on animals, and I've double-checked this with vets to make sure. (laughs) You can use it on children as young as one because that's another risk of overdose. Mm -hmm. So our goal is that for every physician that is prescribing medications that contain opiates, whether it's a family doctor, an emergency room doctor, whether it's a pain management person, whether it's an addiction treatment specialist, I'm offering to all of my patients and their families um, this prescription for this medication. They are now being required to cover it under insurance plans. Mm -hmm. And so this is an opportunity for people to be able to save a life. They instituted this in Boston. um, And within the first week of the Boston Police Department having access to that, they saved eight lives in the first week. So we, um, the, I'm president of the Georgia Society of Addiction Medicine, working in uh, cooperation with the Medical Association of Georgia Foundation. Uh, we, um, with Dr. Jack Chapman and Tenet Slack, we're working on developing um, fundraising efforts golf tournament to be exact um, which was very successful up in North Georgia. We're going to do it again uh, with Dr. Ray Gaskin down in Savannah to um, raise money for police departments, sheriff's departments, and fire departments. Mm -hmm. These folks don't have in their budget the money to be able to get access to these medications, um, to equip all of their first responders with them. So we want to be able to save lives. And this, I think, is a very important dialogue to be having. Now, I've certainly heard, and I'm sure you have too, some of the controversy. Some of the pharmacists don't want to supply this. They're concerned that it would be encouraging people to use drugs. Um, And certainly every pharmacist has the right to pick and choose whether or not they are going to fill a prescription. Mm -hmm. But this is um, certainly something that I think anyone who has a loved one who is using opiates or who has a history of opiate dependence should seriously consider having access to this medication. It, in my experience, overdose is the hazard of doing drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, patients don't won't use more or less if they think they're more or less safe. But sometimes, in reversing and being able to get somebody safely to a hospital and the discussion can begin in terms of this is serious, you almost died, you can die for real, let's get you some help, Right, I think is an important discussion. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember when this first started coming onto the uh, market, 
Um, I had a mother call me and ask me if she thought she should have that on mm-hmm. hand for her addict. And um, I think you and I, I called you to kind of talk that through because like a lot of people are talking it through right now, does this, does this encourage people to use? Does it not? And your, your response was, you know, right off the bat, absolutely the mother should have it. The, the issue really is, you know, like when you're, when you're in an emergency room or even just in my office, which is a classic 50 minute hour psychotherapy office, when there's something going on, you know, and I start to problem solve it with my client, the very first thing I look at is what's most life-threatening. Right. That's where we're going to start, and then we work our way down from there. So when you're in that situation, it's not a debate about what this is, if this is a good thing or a bad thing. It's what's most life-threatening and what do we need to do right now to save this life. And then, like you said, the conversation can begin from there. So um, it's it's really an amazing thing, Um it started out as a nose mist, right? right? And they still yeah. they th- that has been much more difficult. Um, some of the original delivery systems have not been FDA approved, mm-hmm. and so certainly for first responders, there's been reluctance to use something that's not FDA approved. Right. Um, many people are weirded out by giving an injection. That's why the auto injector, where you don't touch a needle, you don't see a needle, uh, you push this little device yeah. up against the leg, and the needle comes out and gives the injection, and yeah. it tells you how long to hold it. It counts down for you so in the minute of crisis you don't have to you don't have to think about it you can just do it and um and uh there are uh, there's a trainer kit that comes with each actual medication dose so that people can practice and, and understand how it how it works yeah yeah i mean talking about you know, exhaling the past, inhaling the future, and, and what is the future? This is definitely a big conversation in 2016. You know, around how how do we use these? How do we train people? How do we get get the first responders, the people who are going to be with these people, get them, you know, what they need in order to help people treat addiction? I know we've said this on almost every time we've been together, but you know, we we go on the Fact and the belief that addiction is a medical condition. Um, that's another way we reduce shame around it, try to raise research dollars, and all the way down to having these conversations. So we would not withhold medical treatment from anybody suffering from any other disease. Why would we withhold medical treatment from somebody suffering from addiction, especially in their life-threatening mm-hmm. moments? Um, it's another way to reduce shame and, uh, you know, hope, hopefully open access for treatment. So this is talking about it in the medical scope. This is absolutely Mm -hmm. necessary. And to put it into a little bit of perspective, (coughs) in terms of real lives, up through the end of October in Georgia, we had 1,700 opiate overdose deaths Mm -hmm. um, in this state alone. And those are real people. Those are real people that died most of them in their 20s or younger. Yeah. That's a, that's a tremendous loss of life and potential. And so this is not limited to um, uh, any particular demographic, socioeconomic, right. educational level. I can assure you that um, the patients that I treat for this addiction come from all 
all levels, all all, all, all different types of people, including yeah. many you'd be very surprised about. So we're going to take a break again. Again, inhale and exhale. We'll be back in just a moment. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings at 9 o'clock for Medicine on Call. On Medicine on Call, we talk about more than medicine. It's about how to take control of your mind, body, and spirit. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and Medical Director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. This is Detailing Addiction. And again, I'd like to thank Alice Wellens for being here today and um, to encourage you to check out her website at www.alicewellens.com or her phone number is 404 404-664-3110, 404-664-3110. So we're talking about inhaling and exhaling. We've talked a little bit about the stuff we might need to exhale, the leftover stuff from last year. We've talked a little bit about what are some of the trends and things we can anticipate. So what are some of the things people can do to help themselves be healthier and happier in 2016? (laughs) Lose weight. Stop (laughs) drinking. Go to the gym. (laughs) All the things that people say every year. Um, I think... I think one of the, some of the things that are already happening, but I think we're going to see more of in 2016, the big one is adult coloring books. 
Um, <laughs> who in this room has seen or heard of adult coloring books? We all have. We have them okay. actually in our waiting room that, along with colored pens. And people love them. They They're love really them. responding to them. Almost everybody that I've asked said, oh, yeah, I got one for Christmas. Or I use my kids and I use that together. It's... It's something that just came, and here it is, and people are really responding to it, and I think that's really going to snowball. And we're, we, as people who work with people in recovery, people who work with people with mental health issues, or just people wanting to cultivate playfulness, creativity, mindfulness, we're going to really see this as such a treatment modality. And it's really fun. I already ordered one off Amazon the other day. I hope it will be there when I get home tonight. Well, we make copies. We take um, one mm-hmm. a week or whatever, and we make copies of that page yeah. and let the folks, while they're waiting for their mm-hmm. appointments, while they're in between groups or they're on a break, color they'll away. be over there. And I have several patients that actually can speak to me more clearly mm-hmm. and directly. They will bring it in and they will color. Yeah. So they don't have to look me in the eye, yeah. um, but they can talk to me very freely, coloring and, and drawing. Well, it's been very interesting to see that happen. It is, and that's why it's so exciting to see how it's going to play out, because I don't know if any of you remember or still use the big balls that turned into chairs. So people that had ADHD or have ADHD or ADD, they need to do two things at once in order to focus. And so they would sit on that ball, and it would allow them to focus because their body could be moving, and they could focus. And I think there's a similarity with that with these with the adult coloring books. They it actually doing that allows them to focus in other areas Mm -hmm. of their brain. So that's kind of been the biggest one. I'm calling it a trend of 2016. It may have been 2015's trend, and I just didn't know about it. So (laughs) I'm just jumping on the 2016 bandwagon with that. But um, I think so. That's everybody, the big get one. yourself a, an adult coloring book mm-hmm. in and explore that a little bit yeah. for stress reduction. I posted a link on where to order it. Um, Amazon has a bunch, but on my I have a work Facebook page. It's Alice Wellens LCSW, and I posted a link of where to order it. Um, the New Yorker wrote an article about it. The Atlantic wrote an article about it. I posted links to those articles on there too. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. I like it. I like yeah. it. Easy, inexpensive, yeah, portable. I, I saw I was sitting on an airplane um, in late December, and I looked over, and a flight attendant who was deadheading, mm-hmm. she was you know, going to her next job, um, she was sitting over there. She had two or yeah. three uh, colored pens in a little holder, and she had her little coloring book, and she was um, she was vegging out and really enjoying her her commute, her very long commute. Yeah, that's <laughs> quite a different way to commute. And I think one of the articles talked about how you know play and creativity are such an important part of learning, and. Um, When we grow up and we become adults, we forget how to do that. And so I think it's a nice way to kind of, maybe in an adult way, cultivate our creativity and our play. Um, And it's fun because you can also do it with your kids. I had one friend who said, oh, yeah, I, I do them with my teenage girls. And so I think that's a really cool way to connect in, you know, in a family. There are also Pinterest boards coming up and Facebook posts coming up where people are posting um, their, creations. their creations. Yeah. So that's kind of exciting, too. Um, so I think that's a big one. Um, I think uh, 
This is going to be a little controversial. But okay, go for yeah, it. This, it's that kind of show, right? <laughs> um, moderate drinking is really not going to be ignored. Right. And that is going to, it is in the conversation. Um, it's out there. Um, the um, There's a daily email that uh, the government puts out called JT join together. Right. Good organization. It's a really good organization and it's a really great snapshot. It comes out every day and even if you just look at the subject line, if, if you're too busy to look <laughs> at it, um, you can just see the topics on there. There's a blog, there's stuff pulled from all areas, everything from research to the Huffington Post, um, stuff for parents. But anyway, they always have a lead article and last week one of their lead articles was moderate drinking. So it's out there, and we're going to have to have some conversations about that. So that's coming. Um, All of my patients would really yeah, love to yeah. be able to, to manage that. Exactly. Well, they've tried. <laughs> as we, as Most of them I'm have sure tried. You, I'm sure you use this conversation. You know, you've tried that, and that didn't work, so now <laughs> we're going to try something else. Um, I think one of the things that's really cool and interesting is that exhaustion not being a status symbol like, I think that's really one that's coming. It's just giving people permission to not be... It's not cool or successful to be scheduled to the nth degree. Um, so I, I think just kind of regaining balance, you know, mm-hmm. that's nothing new. There was a quote on the Hazelden Daily 12-step email today, and it said... I'm going to get it right, way wrong, but it said something like, um, first do nothing and then rest. <laughs> and I thought that sounds that sounds really good. <laughs> very, very against what I would normally be thinking exactly. about. Exactly, that's not in my schedule. It's not ever. in my schedule at all. But you know, my partner is really good about that, and she reminds me a lot to to rest or eat. Have you eaten something? You know, which could cause a fight, but we we try to work through that. So I think those are some things that um, we're going to see. What do you? Any thoughts on what you think we might be seeing? Well, uh, there are some um, new drugs out there that I think we're seeing much more um, commonly among our patients. Uh, we're seeing the things like Kratom and Flocka. And uh, forever and always, uh, there are people who are extremely creative, mm-hmm. who are constantly looking for a new way to get high. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of these things appeal to younger yeah. folks because they are legal for a minute right. and sometimes readily available or they can make them at home. So I think we're going to see continued evolution of the types of substances way. that people mm-hmm. will be um, trying to get high, trying yeah. to, to cope. So I think that's one of the things that we're going to have to keep an eye on um, and earlier and earlier. The conversations that families need to have need to be well before middle school. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kids are exposed so early these days, and it's it's too late by middle school to start having the conversation. Parents need to be addressing that um, with their kids right away and to provide them with some practice about how do you say no. And those are the things that I think will be really not only critically important, but hopefully much more talked about and much more a part of the prevention efforts that are going to 
uh, continue to happen. I agree. You know, I talk so much with families about, um, you know, okay, this is a medical disease, and your kids need to know their medical history. So you're in recovery. You know, a lot of times you'll hear, so you need to talk to your kids about what their, you know, what their medical history is. And you being in recovery is part of their medical history. Right. Um, And so, because you'll hear parents say, parents who are in recovery, I hear them often say, They'll have two or three children, and they'll say, I can tell which one I think is going to be an Mm -hmm. addict. I could tell age one or two. And so, okay, maybe, maybe not. You know, I don't know. But but they feel like they can, and they feel like it might bear out with some of the behaviors they start to see. And so it's like, exactly, it's time to start teaching them coping skills early, early on. And that goes back to some of the conversations we've had before around mindfulness and meditation as a treatment modality. Um, You know, Dan Siegel the other day posted on his Facebook page um, how to talk to, he used the example of a little boy ruminating on monsters at night. And he gave his, you know, wheel of awareness and how you, you can have this wheel of awareness. So that's one thought. What are some other thoughts you might have to just very simple ways to teach kids coping skills and that goes into the next thing that's really gaining a lot of speed which is mindfulness in schools and mindfulness for kids you know that's a really big trend mindfulness for parents to teach their kids so all that and it all integrates together especially for families who have addiction issues in their in their family absolutely well, again, Alice, you've given us some wonderful thought-provoking ideas as well as some potential solutions. So thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. And we'll see all of you next week on Detailing Addiction. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.